WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this uh, Thursday morning. And it is a pleasure to have our usually uh, usual Thursday morning co-host, Mr. Uh, Christopher Boulay. He's in studio with us and live and direct. Good morning, sir. Hello. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. You're going to say usually prepared is what you're going to say, right? <laughs> Wait, do you feel a little bit weak this morning? In that ne- never, oh. never. All right. That would be the first time you've ever come in unprepared. It's a talk show. And what we would like you to do is talk with us if you want to. And uh, if, we, if you feel we are, quote, unquote, approachable, right? Um, and to do that, 7690600, are the two telephone numbers that you can use. And we'll uh, chat with you on any topic whatsoever. If you would like to um, comment um, via email, you can do that. Upfront at WNRI.com is the first uh, emailer is going to uh, weigh in right here. And um, this is Andrew, and um, and I'll tell you what he has to say in a moment. Uh, and let's see what did uh, what did he say? Uh, Andrew said, Jill Biden visiting Deep Blue, Rhode Island, two weeks before Election Day, shows exactly how vulnerable Dan McKee and Seth Magazina have become thanks to Democrats' failed track record. Ocean State families are suffering under complete Democrat control, and the Rhode Islanders know that a mere photo op won't put food on your table, fill gas tanks, or heat homes, says Andrew in an email commenting on the visit of Jill Biden to the state of Rhode Island. Does that um, actually move voters when the First Lady of the United States steps off a plane and says that Seth Magaziner is a good guy and Dan McKee is even better and you should elect. Does that actually move people to vote? Maybe that's a question I should ask you. Um, does, um, does that uh, move you intellectually? I, I guess the, the, my first thought, and I was thinking about this this morning, is how do these conversations happen? Um, does Dan get approached by the administration and say, hey, POTUS would like to come to Rhode Island and stump for you? And Dan's people go, um, geez, I don't think that's a good idea. You're not very popular right now. Well, what about uh, Mrs. Biden? Well, we, we'd rather not. Well, we'll, we'll give you more you know, money. I, I don't know if that's going to move anything, I think it'd be a negative. And I started thinking back to your comment about Helena Folks, how you were thinking about her as a candidate and once Nancy Pelosi came to some for her, that completely turned you off. Good point, yeah. So I'm thinking about that. Uh, Jill is marginally more popular than her husband, but if you really think about it, there's a lot of blame to go around that she actually did not discourage him from running President of the United States. He doesn't know where he is. He's, he's confused. It's a third term for Barack Obama. But as we saw, and we'll talk about the, the Fetterman uh, debate and the defense of him, they don't care about the people. They just care about the party. So if you ask me, uh, 
if you know, put on my Joe Fleming hat and try to be a political analyst, I think it's a slight negative. Uh, I don't think it's going to help at all. And uh, I got a flyer in the mail. I put it aside uh, for Alan Fung. And it was finally right where he's talking about the weaknesses of Magaziner and they were actually true. So um, it'll be interesting. But my gut reaction is it's a it's a slight negative. Emailer says, hey, Booch, I guess you know who this emailer is. That has a guy that just calls me Booch. You don't call me Booch, you know? Call you, call you sir. <laughs> hey, Booch, what do you think of the AG not pushing for a more severe sentence for that repeat offender in possession of and illegally carrying a firearm? The current Rhode Island Attorney General is more concerned with prohibiting law-abiding Rhode Islanders from protecting themselves with legal guns than he is punishing repeat offenders who do harm with illegal guns. The current AG is politically driven by the left-wing progressive agenda. He needs to go. And this emailer says, vote Charles Kalender for Rhode Island Attorney General. So he's a supporter of Kalender. He says, also, as he finishes off his email, is the current AG running and paying for advertising on WNRI? Charles Kalender is. So my comment is, um, is uh, well, first of all, the easy one is the current attorney general... Uh, spending money on WNRI for advertising. No, he's not spending money much anywhere, incidentally, um, because um, he's assuming that he's a shoe-in. Uh, am I voting for uh, for the Attorney General, Peter Narona? No, I'm not, uh, because um, I've watched him evolve in front of me over the years, uh, interviewing him from uh, moderate to... Um, a pretty much a Jamestown Island progressive liberal. And uh, so um, so Charles um, will be playing your ad, Charles Kalender, for attorney general. It's not that you're a great candidate. I'll be voting for you. Um, I, I think you do an adequate job running the attorney general's office. But this would be a negative vote against the current attorney general, who I think has just turned too, um, um, well, too liberal. I get uh, calls and emails and texts from time to time, you know, who are you voting for, uh, for this or that. Well, I've made it very clear for various reasons I'm not voting for any Democrat uh, this time around. And Charles Kalender is a pretty good candidate. But if I was the sitting attorney general, um, I would take the same approach. Um, it's going to be 60-40. There's going to be enough negative votes that it's not going to be a landslide. And I feel the same way about our attorney general as I do uh, Seth Magazina. They've definitely gone to the left quite a bit. Um, has Peter been an ineffective attorney general? Absolutely not. Um, there are things that I disagree with him at times. This is, this is one of them. There's certainly a perception in places like Rhode Island, which I think has the seventh most strict gun laws in, in the United States. And then you look at Chicago, which has some of the stricter ones, and New York City has incredibly strict ones. And wherever they have uh, strict gun laws, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's no gun issues. And sometimes you find that the liberal attorney generals and prosecutors that are not pushing hard enough, and we've got uh, issues with uh, no bail and what have you. So certainly it's not pushing hard enough. And there can be a perception if you're a law-abiding citizen and you have a gun in your home to defend yourself and they want you to lock it away like get smart. 
And uh, could you wait outside for a couple more minutes until I, I get my gun? You know, it, it's stupid. It's really, really stupid. And um, I have a lot of clients who, who own guns, who are law-abiding citizens, and they share their opinions with me. But y you think about it. They, they, they certainly overdo it. Um, I, I would give Narona at least a B minus. Uh, Kalenda, uh, I will be voting for because he's a Republican. I've heard him on the station. I think he's done a, a, you know, comes across really well. And my guess would be sixty forty, and we'll be talking about that uh, after the election. You are on the upfront radio program, and uh, Roger and Chris are in the studio. And uh, we thank you for uh, being a listener to uh, the station, voted number one in the Call Reader's Choice Survey. And I think we did pretty good, too, uh, as a program here on the Upfront program as one of the most popular. Now, yes. let's move on. Topic or caller? Uh, let me do a quick topic because okay. it doesn't take a lot of time. And as regular listeners know, I love to touch upon financial issues and then only delve into them um, deeper if, if the callers want to do that. Right. But this... And this is going to be surprising to our listeners. I'm going to defend the Biden administration. Go ahead. The market has been very, very difficult this year. Um, nobody uh, needs to know that. Uh, need, you know, everyone's aware of that. It's been very, very challenging. You're starting to move up a little bit the last uh, few weeks. And the Biden administration has been given a lot of criticism of destroying 401ks and IRAs. But I do want to point out on one twenty twenty one when Biden took office, the Dow was at 30,930. And as this morning before the markets, it's at 31,839. Actually slightly higher um, than it otherwise would have been when, when he took office. So it, it swung up, it swung down. But if I was um, to be a, a supporter of the Biden administration, I would point that out and say, look, the, the market is flat since, uh, and actually up a little bit. So, um, it's the market goes up, the market goes down. Usually, it goes too low at times. It goes too uh, high at times. But the facts are the facts. Before we take a break, we'll take a call and uh, press the button and uh, see who's on the line and what topic they would like to introduce to Roger and Chris. Hello there. Good morning, man. Good morning. Uh, how are you, Chris? Really good. I'm, I'm sitting with a Rhode Island Radio Hall of Famer. My, one of my best friends, and we're having fun. We're taking a call from you, and there's a 99.9% .9 chance it's going to be a great question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Social Security, Chris, uh, has been cut by the Democratic policies in the last year. Uh, inflation went up 40%. Uh, the Social Security is going to be giving a 9% cut so you've got a net loss of Social Security of 31%. No, you, you mean not, you mean uh, Social Security is going up 8.7. Net, if you take your numbers, net you're losing ground. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 1% of your, of your Social Security. Yes, um, inf inflation is, is, is a severe thing, and um, I'll digress for a second. We get calls from time to time that say higher interest rates are not going to slow down inflation. In Turkey, they're continuing to cut inflation, uh, cut interest rates, excuse me, and inflation is running at 87%. So uh, the, you, we, you do have to raise interest rates to slow down inflation. So go ahead. One other thing is, um, I'm going to make a couple of predictions. Uh, if things remain the same, uh, no recession. 
There's a lot of talk about recession. I see no recession coming. In fact, I see uh, the Fed having to raise the uh, rates one, one and a half points. I think that would be the prudent thing to do right now because I think that the inflation right now, Chris, and I see the food prices, they're soaring up again. And I keep track of all these figures and the dates and everything else. So your food, the food prices we spend are going through the roof. Um, the uh, a cars on the road, Chris, is my barometer for measuring inflation. I'm a professional driver. And I see cars all all through the night and all through the early morning. It, they're just increasing and, and bound, leaps and bounds. That's telling me that the economy is really soaring. It's really firing up. And, of course, inflation is going up with it. So um, I don't see any recession coming in the next year as much as they're all talking about it, especially on the stock market channel. I don't see a recession coming. In fact, I think they're talking that recession so that they might hope that the Fed might uh, uh, not go up uh, as high as they, they want to. But I don't think uh, the Fed is going to listen. I think they do what they want to do, and that's it. So, but, but, you, but so you're you're of the opinion that I am that you need to raise interest rates to slow down inflation. But you think that the Fed is going to have a good balancing act where we're not actually going to be in a recession? Uh, I didn't follow. Okay, so you're 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 saying they're going to raise interest rates, but you say we're not going to have a recession. Therefore, you feel like the Federal Reserve is going to have the appropriate balancing act, continuing to raise interest rates, but not create a recession. Is what I'm. I think I'm hearing from you. I think if they raise the interest rates, they wouldn't have to worry about a recession anyway. I think the economy is that hot now. One other thing, which which also may be a byproduct of, of the supply chain, the average uh, sedan on in coupe uh, car in in America is now thirteen point one years old, so it, they are getting older. So I don't know if that's a sign that the economy is not that great. They're getting expensive, and also you, you can't get new ones. So uh, hopefully we won't be like Cuba. Uh, or, or Russia in a few years where we, we got to water out a couple of years before we get a car. Just <laughs> about, yeah, about uh, a, week, a week or so ago, uh, there was an article in the journal about uh, the uh, mayors all over the state that are supporting the uh, uh, present uh, president and uh, the present governor of Rhode Island. Um, I found that fascinating in light of the uh, uh, the devastation economically to the state. Um, these mayors, uh, my present mayor up here in Johnston, uh, North Providence, uh, Woonsocket, uh, you know, these, these are just a few. Uh, they're all supporting this present administration. I find that pretty interesting yeah. in, in light of the... 
devastation that's going on. Well, well let's 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 put it this way: we will get to it. I hope. Right. But when they're supporting John Fetterman over in Pennsylvania, the Democrats, they'll support anyone. It's not about the individual, what they can do. It's about the party. Have to move on. We, we we always appreciate your call. Have a super day. Good day. Bye-bye. Paul Bourget is chairman of the Woonsocket School Committee and is asking for you to vote to re-elect him and the current members of the school committee, including Donald Burke, Lynn Kapiskus, Alan LeClaire, and Amy Coster. For the past two years, your current school committee has provided experience, leadership, and commitment to our students, their parents, and the school administration. They've listened and acted on school issues such as bullying and mask wearing, and they've approved programs and personnel to address learning loss and social and emotional emotional support. In addition, they've provided a safe and healthy environment for our students. Also, they continue to advocate for the nutritional needs of all students, and currently, they're planning for the building and rehabilitation of our schools. Kindly know that this school committee will make sure that our students receive the best education possible. So please cast your vote for Donald Burke, Lynn Kapiskus, Alan LeClaire, Amy Coster, and Paul Bourget. Paid for by the campaign for Paul Bourget. When you go to vote on November 8th, there will be a question on the ballot about the appointment of the city solicitor, urging you to say no and reject. This question would change the city charter and give only the city council authority to appoint the city solicitor. The mayor of the city should have input in choosing the city solicitor since the lawyer is in city hall daily working with the mayor. Defeat this city council power grab by voting reject. On question four, when you vote. Paid for by Ricardo resident, country Bob Brady. I'm Chaz Kalinda, running to be the next Rhode Island Attorney General. I've practiced law for the past 16 years and 12 of them as a prosecutor in the Attorney General's office, so I know what it takes. The Attorney General is the people's attorney and should always advocate for the rights of the people of the state, not for any political party or special interest. I'm not running to push a political agenda. I want to enforce our laws and the Constitution above all else. My values always represent my clients, and my clients as Attorney General will be you, the people of Rhode Island. The Attorney General can do so much good with the right person in office, and I want to use this position to benefit all Rhode Islanders, not just those who agree with my politics. I want to be your voice to bring the power back to the people. So I need your support. You can visit my website at chas4ag.com. That's chas, the number 4ag.com to donate. And then vote Charles Kalenda for Attorney General on November 8th. Paid for by friends of Charles Kalenda. Fall is arriving at Gray Tree Boutique, 1725 Menden Road, Cumberland. Gray Tree carries a unique array of clothing, jewelry, home decor, food, bath, beauty, gifts, and more. Take a look at the selection of homemade pieces for the fall season by local creators, as well as items from around the world. Gray Tree curates a wide variety of pieces from the USA, Europe, Canada, and Asia. Plus, tune in every Thursday night at 6 p.m. for Gray Tree Boutique's weekly live Facebook sale, featuring new arrivals, giveaways, and a fun night of shopping from the comfort of home. It's now even easier to shop their live sales with their new app. Download it for free in the App Store or Google Play Store if you have an Android. Just type in Gray Tree Boutique. Shop all of their previous live sales on the app or browse their newest arrivals. It has amazing features like shopping replays, waitlisting out-of-stock merchandise so you'll be notified of a restock, and so much more. Renee, Katie, and Jill invite you to visit soon. Gray Tree Boutique, 1725 Menden Road, Cumberland. Stop in our store, shop online at shopgraytree.com, and download their new free app. Or you can just simply give us a call, 401-333-3700. 
And one more thing uh, for Great Tree, and then we'll get back to our calls and our comments uh, from uh, Chris. Great Tree Boutique, this coming Friday, is having an adult trick-or-treat uh, session from 4 until 6 o'clock. Who says that tricks and treats are just for kids? So join us between 4 and 6 this Friday at Great Tree Boutique, where you find apparel and jewelry and home and bath and gift items and so much more. Goodie bags while supplies last and discounts. There'll be light snacks and refreshments this Friday. Trick or treat for adults at Great Tree Boutique between 4 and 6 p.m. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Okay, the panel has reconvened. It's Christopher Boulay. Are you here, sir? I am. Roger Bouchard also checking in. And thank you for checking in on WNRI. Topic? Well, during the break, you challenged my numbers and you hurt my feelings. All right. So you, we talked and we should uh, uh, elaborate on this so people know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, when you were younger and, you know, when you were a kid, wasn't it challenging to get 100,000 miles out of a car? Yes, it was. And I think, <laughs> I you know, I love... Uh, the, the auto industry. Don't ask me to change my own oil because I can't, but I love the auto industry. The auto industry is actually 5% of the gross domestic product. So one out of every $20 is somehow spent on cars in the United States. Mm-hmm. So in a follow-up to that last call we got, I wanted to clarify these numbers, which are correct. And this is according to S&P Global. Right now, there are 283 million passenger cars and light trucks in America. So there's about 340 million people, I guess. There's 283 million cars. And because cars are getting more expensive, because cars are better made, and, and now there's a little bit of pressure on uh, supply chain, it's tough to get cars. But right now, it's at an all-time high. The average age by vehicle for cars is 13.1 years is the average age for a car on the road. And in 2011, it was about 11 years, and that has continued to go up. Various reasons, you're making a $45,000, $50,000 or more investment into a car. They're being made better. I think 1981, 82, 83 were the worst years for American automakers ever, and they were making garbage, and they were going to be put out of business. So the cars are better made. They're getting more and more expensive. Um, and um, so going back, I'm not sure observing the number of cars on the road is a good indication of whether we're going to have a recession or not. So um, those are my thoughts on that. Thank you for sharing them. Let's see what uh, thoughts uh, a listener has. Uh, hello. What would you like to talk about on the Upfront program? Good morning. Good morning. First, I want to talk about cars. Then I want to talk about the Senate campaign. But first. My 68 Nova, I bought it 100,000 miles and made it to 200,000 miles. That was a 68 Nova. Maybe it's just me, but I never bought a car under 100,000 miles. I found that 100,000, they were cheap to pick up. I always got them to 200,000, with the exception being the Ford Escorts. The 1.9s never seemed to make it past 180. So whenever people talk about cars making it being better now, I don't know. But disclaimer... I don't own a car that's under twenty-five year old now. My Jeep's over thirty, so maybe it's just me. But I think, but I think, having you call in weekly, I have a sense that you know what the hell you're doing with cars, and you're probably taking terrific care of them too. Well, just remember, someone else was taking care of them for the first hundred thousand miles. So, but now I want to say something. Everybody's talking about Oz and Walker, Oz and Walker, and it just makes me wonder with Alan Fun. 
Do they think he's going to win and it's okay, or do they think it's more like Borders are making it to Pluto? It's just so far out that he's, it's like the golden egg if he does win. They just don't expect it. Which way is that? I'm not, I'm not, sure, I, I'm not sure I follow. With, I'm, okay. They're talking about how important the races are between Memnet Oz in Pennsylvania and Herschel Walker. How important those are because we need those Senate seats. Yep. Why doesn't Alan Fung come up in those conversations, or is it is it because they think he's got it, or because they just can't believe he's going to get it? Well, um, I think I understand that there's about a 98 percent chance that the Republicans are going to take the House. So Magazine can say we can't lose the seat because we can't lose the balance of power. It's a fait accompli that there's going to be a, a tremendous red wave in, in the House of Representatives. It's, it is absolutely going to the Republicans. Now you take a look at the Senate. It's it, obviously it's 50-50 now with the vice president of the United States doing tiebreakers. So it, it's not that. I actually talked to my uh, Washington policy guy about a couple of weeks ago, and it's not 100% clear that the Republicans <laughs> are going to take the Senate. So Herschel Walker with Walnock and Oz with Fetterman, uh, those are a couple of key seats. So I think um, you can talk about the balance of power in the House, but it, it's a fait accompli. But I don't understand why isn't Fung just as key? I mean, isn't one senator worth just as much as another one? No, no. One's the House and one's the Senate, right? So Fung is running for the second congressional district of the House of Representatives. I thought Fung was running for Senate. No, 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 no Senate race this year. It's it's uh, Magaziner and Fung running for the second congressional district, and Waters and Cicilline running for the first congressional district, and. My mistake. That explains it then, huh? Yep. All right. All right. Thank you. See, we served a purpose here in the talk show. Um, thought that was a Senate race. Um, and I like your explanation anyway uh, that um, is that whether Fung wins or loses, most likely the Democrats will lose the House anyway. But the Senate is much, much tighter, mm -hmm. and that's why those races are getting so much attention. If um, uh, so, do you have any? Uh, are you a predictor? Do you uh, do you think uh, the Republicans will get back both uh, branches, uh, the House and the Senate, or uh, uh, we just have to wait until uh, November eighth at um, one o'clock in the morning? Oh, I'm, I always uh, share my opinion, and and again, it's 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 almost a mathematical certainty um, that the Republicans are going to take the House, and I and I think they, in my personal opinion, they're going to take the Senate as well. Mm -hmm. I think there'll be fifty-four, um, so I th I think they'll take it as well. And I guess we can lead into this. Nobody waiting for a call. Um, Fed, uh, Fetterman was on the other night, and he he's a disaster. Uh, running for, he was a lieutenant governor, um, lived in his with his parents till he's 49 years old, a trust fund kid, um, on the parole board, did some tr tried to do some tremendous damage, was overwritten, uh, and unfortunately, very tragically, in May, he had a stroke, and he has trouble putting a couple of sentences together, and he was finally forced to debate Dr. Oz, and um, it, it did not go well. And there's a lot of Democrats out there trying to put a spin on it and saying just because he can't put a couple of sentences together, he's still qualified to be senator. And 
he's anti-fracking, but he said he was for fracking, against fracking, and for fracking in the same sentence. Um, you know, fracking is pretty important in, in eastern uh, Pennsylvania. So if I'll, I'll be, even without that race, I feel, and I just said that I think the uh, Senate will go to the Republicans, but if the citizens of Pennsylvania vote Fetterman in as, as their next senator, they get the government that they deserve. It's, it's going to be a disaster. He's not going to re- represent them effectively. And anybody with an ounce of imp- empathy cares about his health, but he should not be there. And uh, it'll say a lot about American politics if uh, Dr. Oz loses to him. Do you have an opinion on a topic, or would you like us to discuss a topic? Please feel free to do so at 769-0600-766-1380, as this emailer did on the topic of used cars. He talks about driving a 1999 Chrysler Sebring with 179,000 miles on it. The emailer says, I just bought a 1997 Ford F-150 with 75,000 miles, and I paid uh, $2,800 for the 1997 vehicle. My mom just bought a 2014 Subaru with 115,000 miles on it, and she paid $15,000. Is that could that 14, two, uh, 15 grand for a 2014? And he uh, concludes, or she concludes, uh, the email used cars are off the chart expensive. So if regular cars are going to be expensive and people can't afford them, then there's going to be a high demand for used cars. Isn't that going to drive the prices, sir? Absolutely. There's there's no question about it. Um, I I ended up getting an SUV. I I did not take delivery of of my Tesla for various reasons that we we could talk about. But um, I I spent a lot of time trying to get that vehicle. And um, I miss the old days. I mean, I like cars. I guess it's a vice for me. I've always liked cars. I've always liked new cars. And I liked the, the old days when I would go to the dealership and there were five cars kind of what i wanted and i pick out the one i wanted um i had to fight to get this one and it's it's uh it, again it's the old joke about ronald reagan used to say waiting 10 years to get a uh car and then the guy who was getting waiting 10 years wanted to know if it was going to be in the morning or the afternoon and the auto dealer says what difference does it make us 10 years from now well the plum is coming in the morning uh we we don't want that so hopefully um They'll take care of uh, the, the chip issue and what have you. But, yeah, if if you can't get a new car, you have to drive something. You are forced to get a, a used car, and the, the prices are phenomenal. What could happen is we could have a real bubble here because the values of the old cars are, are inflated so people can finance them. And you could have some issue if we do get into a recession where somebody paid $25,000 for a used car that's really worth seventeen, and then when it comes back to a... a regular market, uh, the banks could be in trouble. And I, and, I, and I do want to comment for our first call, a shout out to him. It just came out at 8.30 a.m., the U.S. GDP numbers, and they accelerated a 2.6% growth in the third quarter, better than expected as growth turns positive. And the Dow futures are up about 260 points, but the NASDAQ futures are down, and they're down because that NASDAQ tends to be more sensitive to higher interest rates. Emailer and a caller in front, but I have a question for you. So sometimes I'll 
I'll be watching some old film, black and white film shot in 1910 or 1915. And it'll show a city street. And in the street are a few of these new contraptions called automobiles. And then the rest of the street is filled with horses and carriages, some pulling hay and some the local meat peddler uh, with his horse and carriage. And um, some uh, the... Uh, the rag man picking his rags with his horse and carriage. It was a transition from the horse and buggy era to the automobile, 1950. And as time went on, the horse and buggy disappeared and the car took over. So, back to you, Mr. Boulay. So, here we are. We've got electric cars on the road. And we've got um, my regular gasoline-powered car. Um Let's go to, uh, this is 2022. How much of a difference will it be by 2030, 2040? I mean, is this really, really what we're going to be uh, seeing? Uh, completely quiet streets with electric cars moving up and down is, and the disappearance of the gasoline engine? Or is it going to take 50 years? That, that's a uh, fantastic question. And when I think about the direction of the auto industry going to electric cars, I think back to Mr. Watson, who was the CEO of IBM in the 50s. And he made a comment, and again, head of IBM, he said there's room for about five computers in the world. I think there are 15 computers right in this studio right now. So clearly he was wrong. So somebody's going to be very right about the future of the auto industry and somebody's going to be very wrong. Toyota actually sells more cars worldwide, at least for one year, than General Motors. And the CEO of General Motors, uh, excuse me, of Toyota, he said, we have to supply for all. He goes, not everyone's going to want an electric vehicle. He goes, we are going to pursue that. However, there's going to be a time and place for gasoline engines and it's going to take a lot longer than 2030. And uh, Toyota's been signaled out by people like Seth Magaziner in the pension plan saying that we don't want to invest in Toyota because they're not all in. Um, I think Toyota's going to end up being right. Uh, Mary Barra, who is my favorite CEO in America, one of the favorite ones, she runs General Motors and she's all in on electric. And I just don't think it's um, going to happen. And again, I'm not an economist. I don't play one on the radio. But you think about the lack of chips we have right now. So we, there's thousands and thousands of cars with Ford. You know, Ford just announced their numbers and the supply chain is killing them, added another billion dollars. They, they didn't make their numbers. Um, you got GM having issues. So you have all of these companies trying to get the cars out having issues with the chips. Well, what about when you try to create batteries and you got to go to the Congo and you got to dig up the earth and there's not enough batteries to be... Uh, materials to be made there. You can see that a mile away that there's going to be some kind of impasse. That's why I know a lot of folks uh, who are investing in uh, electric battery companies hoping that somebody's going to hit a home run and figure, out, figure this out. But right now it's extremely expensive to do it. But it used to be I don't know, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars for an electric battery for a car. Now it's down to 150 bucks. So um, we'll talk about, you and I will talk again about this in 2040, but um, we ex I still expect there to be gasoline cars. And that's just my prediction. Well, that's what I was exactly asking for. I guess uh, when it comes to choosing an electric car over a gas car, it's why in the menu you have your choice of um, baked haddock, uh, stuffed haddock, <laughs> um, fried haddock, 
Uh, it's all customer choice. Good morning, Roger and Chris. Democrat. This is from Sandra. She writes this uh, every uh, every chance uh, she gets. Thank you, Sandra. Democrats have candidates who twerk, who lie, who attack their opponents for being pro-life to save babies and incompetent to be in office. They have Obama and O'Biden, also known as frickin' frack, campaigning for Fetterman, a man who should be in rehab for a post, uh, CVA, post-CVA. Do you know what that means? Uh, well, for a post-CVA. Anyway, Democrats would endorse a uh, deaf, dumb, and blind mute, writes Sandra, just to keep the power and control. Just my opinion. Well, it certainly is your opinion, Sandra. Thanks for sharing it with us here on the program. Yeah, it's, it's going back. There's some real challenges there, and it's it's all about the party as opposed to the people. And Fetterman is, is, is the poster child for that. If he if he gets in and, and beats Oz, um, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of lose uh, faith in the electorate. I don't know if you're pro-life uh, or not, um, but um, a lot of people in Rhode Island are pro-life. We'll get to a call in a second. We've got some calls lined up. Seth Magaziner yesterday, while uh, Jill Biden, Jill Biden, Jill and Joe almost sound alike, while Jill was in town, uh, I actually heard him uh, on, uh, here's a soundbite, referring to um, uh, Rhode Island Right to Life. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that organization, but it's very popular here in Woonsocket. And a lot of people belong to Rhode Island Right for Life. He called it a extremist left-wing organization. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was an organization that was uh, pro-life. And then I thought on the other side, anybody who was uh, for abortions and so forth was um, pro-choice. I thought that, you know, they're not uh, the pro-choice People bad people? No, I wouldn't say they're bad people. And I wouldn't say that the people who are pro-choice are bad people. But according to Seth Magazina, they are radicals. They are extremists. Mm-hmm. Why would he say that? Did he think that was good politics? Well, again, going back to the point, it's not about the people. It's about the politics. And I stumbled over this response last week. But what I wanted to say is the most intelligent thing I heard about abortion was from President Clinton. It should be safe, legal, and rare. So if you want abortion, I guess I'm pro-life for sure. But there has to be exceptions for it and then what the left will say is my body my choice but those same exact people were were all for firing people who wouldn't take a vaccine so the hypocrisy to the left has no end but when you're enjoying or making it such a case that uh, that abortion is something you want to have it's it's awful and you think about, is that all the Democrat, Democrats have? And uh, Ashley uh, Kalis pointed out, it's down to the states. And everyone's saying it, it's a state issue. And Roe vs. Wade was poorly created. And I think everyone knew it was out there to be changed. But to say that you're wanting uh, 
infants to, to be infanticide and the way some of the Democrats are doing it, it it's awful. It, it's absolutely awful. So I certainly lead much strongly towards pro-life. I went to bed last night feeling like I was a bad person because of uh, Seth Magazina, because of, you know, a particular thought that I have about a particular topic. And all of a sudden I felt like I was an extremist. Uh, I felt like I was a terrorist. Hello there. Welcome to the Upfront Program on WNRI. Maybe I am a terrorist. Hello. Wait a minute. I want to know what what uh, what you went to bed thinking about that you were bad. Yeah, well, is- because Seth Magazina said I was bad. And and if Seth Magazina well- says it, then, of course, he's, uh, he's uh, like uh, the god of thought here in Rhode Island uh, politics. So I, I, I felt like uh, I was um, a bad person. And I still don't have my $500. I am so confused right now with Seth Magazina. The reason I called was Seth Magazina. And uh, obviously I cannot vote against him. And uh, I do a lot of voting against people rather than voting for people. But I can't vote against him. But the fact that he wants to take public money... Away from Toyota. See, that's something that people... I wasn't aware of of the power that these people have. And this is a new trend. There are banks that won't lend money to, to, uh, to any company that's not woke. This is not right. This is public money in the case of Seth Magaziner uh, as the general treasurer. And I think he's a, a well-off individual. <clears throat> and as far as Fetterman is concerned, let, see, I'm, I'm a very basic person. I'm not that bright. I just listen and try to put things together and connect the dots. I, understand, I didn't watch um, the, the debate. Fetterman is obviously not capable of doing the, the, the slightest mm-hmm. job let alone Senate. But what they did was they referred to Dr. Oz as Mr. Oz. Yet they, yet Whoopi Goldberg was ready to make Dr. Jill Biden the Surgeon General. This is how stupid these people are. And, and, and I'm not afraid to call them stupid because we are all stupid in certain levels. I would not try to say one thing about medical. I know nothing about medicine. But when when Whoopi Goldberg didn't even realize that Jill Biden had a Ph.D., not that that's an easy thing to do, but she has nothing to do with medicine. Can I, can I, ask, you, can I ask you something? So, uh, you can do, say anything. Yeah, how many people watch The View? I cannot believe that the conservative side even quotes them. They're, the stupid things that come out of there is like, are, are millions and millions of people watching The View during the day? Maybe, you know, are, are there high unemployment there? So these people are, are just watching this show. They continue to quote them. I'm not saying you. I'm talking about like Fox News and the rest of them. And they don't make any sense at all. It reminds me of that TV show, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, where you have five and six hundred pound people, oh. and they're all trying to lose weight and so forth. That's got an audience. Mm. There are actually people that actually watch that regularly, 
And uh, I put them in the category of the view audience. I don't know why anybody would even cite them. I'm, I'm reprimanding you, caller, for even <laughs> citing the view <laughs> as any kind of a, a legitimate television program other than a soap opera. Wait a minute. I have never in my life, never in my life have I watched the view. You cited it, though. You actually mentioned it. <laughs> you are now disconnected. We can't talk to her anymore. She's a she's not a legitimate caller. How, how, do, how do we how do we not Great. take her calls when we love her? Her credibility you know? has been uh, but compromised. but she's so lovable. It's it's impossible not all to right, talk to all her. Right. Let her on another thirty seconds. Wait a minute. That shows that you don't know me at all. I am not a lovable person. I am not a sweet person. I I know am. that. <laughs> You're not telling you me anything now, new. <laughs> listen, you are now my hero. When I heard that you have to take injections in your eye, I, that's it. You're on my prayer list now. I. But anyway, down with Seth Magaziner, down with people using public money for their own private political agenda. I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you. I'm Thanks for the call. Have a Bye. super day. Bye-bye. <laughs> Commercial time. On the Upfront program, Honey Shop. You know, there are so many. Uh, I was just checking the Facebook page of the Honey Shop at on Park Avenue. A lot of things you can do there, like uh, designing LED candles uh, with images. So these are the candles where you turn the little light. It's got a battery on the bottom. And turn the light on and it lights up. You can uh, put Christmas tree images and snowmen and stuff like that. Uh, designing LED candles Making cheese, making cranberry cheese and making cranberry sauce. Uh, how about decorating wine bottles for holiday decor? And some of the wine bottles are not just regular wine bottles. They have all kinds of, uh, you know, indentations in them. There are some beautiful wine bottles out there just waiting for holiday decor from you. These are just some of the things you can do at the honey shop. Of course, when you go to the honey shop, you can buy honey. We sell honey there. Yeah, and we also sell a lot of other things, too. So if you love food, you'll love the Honey Shop at 1300 Park Avenue in Woonsocket. If you love food, you'll also love Grumpy's like I do. So what's in your appetite? At Grumpy's in South Bellingham, their menu is so expensive, we can satisfy any taste. You may want to try a Grumpy Signature Burger. There are 12 to choose from. And if you like seafood, try our broiled seafood sampler of haddock, scallop, shrimp, lobster, and a stuffed quahog to go along. And you might want to check out our Taste of Italy, too, from eggplant, parmesan, spaghetti and meatballs, and many other Italian choices. And you may want to try a grumpy sirloin steak, filet mignon, or a Bourbon Street steak tip dinner. All char-broiled to your taste perfection. And we have a nightly menu special and also weekend specials. Kitchen open Friday and Saturday till midnight. Restaurant open seven days a week. It's time to make it a Grumpy's experience today. And we want to remind you, Grumpy's is open for lunch every day now. They start at October 3rd. Daily luncheon. Check the daily luncheon special menu at Grumpy's of... Um, of Bellingham. I was going to say Grumpy's of Woonsocket. Well, uh, Brian LaHousse is a Woonsocket guy anyway, originally. 
So it's grumpies of whatever you want it to be. Good restaurant. The name of the business, All Tech Painting. We've been serving the Massachusetts and Rhode Island community with top-notch painting services. We want to be your one-stop shop for interior and exterior painting, plastering, drywall repair, power washing, wood staining, and so much more. And we do all this with the promise of 100% satisfaction using quality materials and the finest product you can be proud of. That's the kind of company we are. Have any questions or want to quote? Call 401-378-7765. All Tech Paint of North Attleboro, ready to serve you at 401-378-7765. Skilled craftsmen, ready to work for you. Hello, it's me, Scott McGee, and I'm asking you to vote for me on November 8th for City Council. Looking forward to helping out the city, and I'm also asking you to reject question four for the city solicitor. Check and balance is the most important part of government, so rejecting question four will keep that intact. Paid for by friends of Lisa Baldelli Hunt. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. How are you doing, Chris Boulay? I'm doing great. I wanted to touch upon another issue very briefly. On October 31st, is coming Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court expected to hear arguments in Students for Fair Admissions versus the president and fellows of Harvard College. Harvard College, uh, which receives federal money, Harvard University, uh, seemed to be discriminating against Asians. Um, they're, they're actually using race as a criterion for letting people in, but they also receive federal funding. So they've been sued, and they have to disclose how they're letting applicants in, and um, discrimination of any kind has got to be called, and has to be called all every which way. So this will be very, very interesting. The spin on this is that Harvard University has the largest private endowment in the world at well, at $51 billion. Is that your account? That's Yeah, I wish it was my account. <laughs> they actually do everything internally. It's the, They've managed money fabulously. They've got a fabulous track record of, of uh, doing it themselves and having a, whole te- a huge team. But uh, it'll be interesting because they could actually pay for all the tuitions out of their own pocket if this goes against them. And by way of background... The Ivy League schools have always had an issue doing things maybe surreptitiously. Back in 1991, uh, all eight of them had their tuition within 2.5%. They would meet, and they decided what the tuition was going to be, and they got called on that as well. But this will be interesting. I think discrimination of any kind is morally wrong, and I'm watching this with great interest. When our uh, last emailer came in, uh, the emailer referred to uh, CVA and I didn't know what it was. I looked across to Chris. I don't think he knew what it was, uh, and right. and for good reason because we weren't, uh, we didn't go to uh, nursing school or medical school. A CVA, we were talking about Fetterman. A CVA is a medical abbreviation for cerebral vascular accident, better known as a stroke. And uh, she says, uh, Sandra, who uh, is a retired nurse, excuse me for assuming everyone knows what that term means. Okay, you're excused. Let's uh, take another call, our final call of the program. Hello, what do you want to talk about? I'll be very quick. On Jesse Waters' show last night, one of his guests talked, and he said, if people don't care for the life in your womb, you're not going to care for people's lives after. And I think that's a very good comment. And one more quick thing. The Biden administration built a $20 million 
bridge to nowhere in Philadelphia for bird watching. Did you see that on TV? No. No, no, I'm not familiar with it. I think I might have heard it, but I didn't catch my attention. Do we have a problem believing it? No. <laughs> but uh, no, have we heard about it? No. No. Thank oh, and, and across the heated sidewalk. We're, gonna, we're going down for a third time underwater. By 2024, we're all going to be hanging out by the skin of our teeth. 12, days. Day, 12 days to election day, so we'll see what happens. Final word from you, sir. You got 30 seconds. I think we both find interest, and hopefully our audience does, in Elon Musk and Twitter. So today's the day he, uh, he takes over Twitter. And I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that we discussed that he's discussed publicly. Why are they firing so many people? Um, Is they, it uh, less of a workload? I, I, I think there's some, there's some direction there. He wants to take it. And if you're not on board... You're not on board, but he's going to really fundamentally do, in my estimation, great things for America, great things for free speech. And even if people call and we don't like what they say, they have a right to say it, as long as they say it in a dignified manner. And that's what America is about. That's what makes America great. All right. And Twitter can have that kind of influence, huh? Absolutely. We'll talk about that on another show. Thank you for being with us today. Tomorrow, the governor drops.